Thank you for downloading the YSF podcast, the podcast brought to you by Yorkshire Sport Foundation. This episode has been recorded to coincide with Rainbow Laces Day 2021, and we're going to talk about a project right here in South Yorkshire. It's the Empower LGBT Plus project that's been led by Sheffield United Community Foundation, the official charity of Sheffield United Football Club. Now, the Empower LGBT Plus project is a three-year programme that started in December 2020, funded by the Premier League and Professional Footballers Association Community Fund, as well as some match funding from us at Yorkshire Sport Foundation. The project aims to provide positive, safe spaces free of discrimination, which allow LGBT plus young people aged 11 to 25 to be regularly active and to provide opportunities to develop their skills and confidence in sports and physical activity. Joining us to discuss the project so far is Katie Glossop, Participation and Inclusion Manager at the Community Foundation, Amy Hood, who is the Empower LGBT Plus Project Coordinator, and James Lally, who is the founder of Rainbow Blades, the LGBT Plus Supporters Group for Sheffield United. Uh, it began by asking Katie to take us back right to the beginning and the whole idea behind the project. I've just realised we're in 2021 and we started this back in 2019. So it seems a little bit uh, a bit surreal that we're here now. Um, so originally it came it came about when I returned from maternity leave. Um, it was, I suppose, when you when you think about the work that we do and a lot of the things we try to address are inequalities, um, particularly for for people that have faced discrimination or have, have faced a specific barrier to being physically active, and it kind of brings two passions of mine together: sport and physical activity. And then addressing inequalities and, and really fighting for people's rights. Um, and it really came about when when I came back and went, right, we've done a lot around kind of race and ethnicity. Um, we're still doing a little bit around women and girls, but we want to do more. Um, and then it was it was a colleague, actually. So Vicky, who's our safeguarding and compliance lead, said, well, what are we actually doing for the LGBT plus community? Um, and we did a bit of a... A bit of a uh, a form that you fill in to say, you know, what what do you actually do at the moment? And it was quite it's quite quick and quite simple, if I'm honest, because we did nothing, um, and that was kind of highlighted. Well, we need to do something. What is it that we want to do, um, and how can the foundation help? So, at that point, I had two priorities. You know, how do we help the LGBT plus community, but how do we help women and girls too? So, we're actually proposing two specific projects uh, running side by side. Um, and looking at some of the inequalities that those communities face, most specifically around physical activity and what are the health implications of that. So, you know, we, we know that um, physical activity improves your physical health, your mental health, your social well-being. Um, but the stats that we were finding around, um, you know, the number of LGBT plus people who had a higher risk of, of suicide, mental health um, concerns that were physically inactive which was leading to you know physical health concerns um it was shocking and and we just knew at that point that there was something we could do um and i think just thinking about my own experiences at that point and i've said this a couple of times over the last kind of two years to to james so apologies if you if you hear me repeat this all the time but no one should be told they can't do something because of who they are and it really rings true with me all the time of going everyone can be active whether it's playing for a sport, playing, uh, you know, with your friends on a recreational site or just being out and about going for a run, going in your community, going to parks and green spaces. And why is it that certain communities continually face 
discrimination. They get, you know, laughed at, heckled. It's, for me, it's ridiculous. And it was kind of our mission to go, right, how do we address that? And how can we utilise the power of Sheffield United and the inspirational people around us to be able to tackle some of those things? Um, so we pulled together the proposal. And, I, and I'll be quite honest, uh, we had an opportunity to apply for for quite a significant amount of funding because the first team were in the Premier League. Um, so the Premier League and the PL, PLPFA, they put a, a, an amount of money aside for community trust linked Premier League clubs. Um, and every year we can apply for it with, with new projects or to sustain existing projects. And we just went, these are the two projects that we want to do. Empower LGBT+, empower women and girls. Um, it took us about 12 months to put the proposal together and submit it to the Premier League. Uh, and we got the sign-off in... December 2020, I think that was. And um, yeah, here we are today, almost 12 months later. Um, I can't believe we're in December 2021. But yeah, it's been a it's been a big journey to then. And it's bringing Amy in and, and kind of connecting with Rainbow Blades. And, you know, the journey that they went on as a supporters group, it's really kind of kickstarted and lifted what we want to do to support LGBT plus people in Sheffield specifically. Um, but I think as Amy will probably tell you, the amount of conversations that we've had with other CCOs across the country, with um, the European Football for Development Network, they're listening. People are looking at what we're doing. And we have made a lot of um, a lot of changes and, and had a lot of impact in the last 12 months, but we know there's so much more we can do. So lots of people are listening, taking notice. How many similar types of projects are either ongoing or perhaps taking place in the past around um, providing more opportunities for LGBT plus people to be physically active within sports or within the football to narrow that down a little bit so within sort of uh, football community foundations or club foundations more broadly yeah within the football ccos i wasn't aware of any um i think it's definitely something that the premier league have had on their radar and i think it's definitely something that was in the beginning was being discussed um so we have a couple of other programs that look at specific target audiences um and, you know, the, there's been the Rainbow Laces campaign for a number of years um, and the Premier League and the EFL Trust, they've, they've been involved in it, but it's it's more of a, we've got to do it. it we've got to, whereas now it's a, no, we're fully embraced in making a change. Um, but I'm not, I'm not specifically aware, apart from Tottenham Hotspur, um, before we got our project, they did have an LGBT coordinator. Um, and, I mean, Amy can give you an update on, on their particular project at the moment. But apart from that, um, I wasn't sure of a specific project. Maybe Aston Villa, is that the right one, Amy? Yes, I believe so. Uh, but again, there's not that much kind of going on with other CCOs. Um, yeah, they're the only two, really, who kind of touch upon it. James, um, the Rainbow Blades, I believe, were formed in and around the same time as this project got off the ground, I believe. Just still give us a bit of a background to Rainbow Blades, how it started. Yeah, so we launched in April 2020, uh, but it was in the pipeline kind of from December 2019 uh, when I met uh, a couple of members of staff from the Community Foundation. They came to one of our Rainbow Laces football matches, supported that, and conversations kind of started there, really. Uh, led on to conversations with the club as well. Um, obviously, this was all before we knew what was coming in March 2020, uh, but we decided it was still the right time to launch because football had been taken away from everyone and football is a massive part of people's lives and it's a massive part of our communities. 
uh, and people's, you know, mental health especially was going to be massively affected by what was happening over the course of 2020. So we thought, no, this is still the right time to launch. And yeah, from April 2020 to present day, uh, it's, it's interesting actually we're doing this podcast today because we've just announced on social media that we've just gone past 300 members uh, for Rainbow Blades, which is just, thank you. It's amazing. And when I talk to other LGBT plus football supporter groups up and down the country, in terms of where we've got to in terms of membership numbers in the terms of our lifespan so far, we're one of the fastest growing LGBT plus football support groups. So it's it's amazing. And, you know, we work very closely with the Community Foundation. We work very closely with the club. Uh, and kind of all three entities working together, I think, has helped it be such a success today. What would you say then, a two-part question, how involved were you and the supporters group in perhaps helping to shape this project alongside Katie and others? Um, and what has the club done well in terms of in- engaging with, with your group that you would perhaps again, looking for people who might be thinking of doing something different, be that from a community club organisation or other organisations, what has the club done well? In terms of the Empower LGBT Plus project, we've been involved from the very, very start, uh, helped shape it from the very start, all the initial meetings prior to even the funding um, coming in from the Premier League, because we've got, you know, we've got this membership base of LGBTQ plus blades and proud allies. Our charity partner is Say It, which is a young person's LGBT plus charity in the city. And we've already got kind of embedded roots within the community. So it just made sense from a, a, a working together point of view and from us being so deep in the community to to work together on this project and to be able to support where we can to you know to help push all the uh, events that they've got coming up and the 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 physical uh, activities that they've got coming up and sessions uh and and working kind of i guess on a little bit of a, a from a consultant point of view because we've now got 300 members I've just gone past 300 members that's a really good pool of of uh, people to to speak to about well what are you wanting to see in Sheffield when it comes to uh, sport and uh, physical activity around uh, LGBT plus uh, matters and and getting the LGBT plus communities involved. So I think from that point of view, it was really important that that we all work together on this. Um, from a, a club point of view, they have been amazing. I know I'm being biased because they're my club, but they I, I'd be honest. I'm a very honest person as well, so I would be honest if they weren't. Uh, but they have been absolutely amazing. The communication is key and working together is key. And they are more than happy to have me wander down to Bramall Lane. You know, they've not shut the door on me yet. So that's good. Um, a couple of examples of how transparent and how well we work together is recent. Recently, a couple of weeks ago, I was invited into an equality, diversity and inclusion workshop that the club, uh, the club's equality, diversity and inclusion manager was running and um, so I got to meet you know head of department I got to meet the CEO Stephen Bettis and I got to you know input and help work with the club staff in this workshop as they as they try to move towards the intermediate level of the Premier League equality standard 
And then we also had our first ever Rainbow Blaze fan forum. Again, down at Bramall Lane, we had members involved in person, also through Zoom. Again, heads of department around the table, Stephen Bettis around the table. And we asked very strong, important, passionate questions about equality, diversity, inclusion and how the club can continue to move forward, what they can do to improve um, so they're kind of two very recent examples, but whatever we want to do, whatever idea we have, we go to the club and the club are always wanting to help us to make the idea a reality. And we've got some very exciting stuff coming up for the Rainbow Laces campaign. And last year's Rainbow Laces campaign was absolutely fantastic. It was the first ever time, well, that I know of anyway, that we had all the senior team and the women's team wearing Rainbow Blades warm-up shirts. Um, so, yeah, there's, there's amazing stuff happening. So my advice for other people out there that are wanting to set up an LGBT plus supporter group at their football group is to work with your community foundation, work with your club, and that is how you're going to, to make it a success, in my opinion. Kate, it seems very obvious that if you're going to do a project for Empower LGBT Oh, sorry, do the Empower LGBT Plus project, you would involve the supporters group, the Rainbow Blades. But we know from not necessarily just in this area or other areas that that doesn't always happen and some organisations may come and, and do things to people rather than with. So from your perspective, the foundation's perspective, and I guess from what James just said, the wider club look at it is going to meetings with the, the chief exec. This is not very. This is all running right through the club. What principles did you put in place at the start to make sure that all of what has happened so far has happened, if you know what I mean, from that kind of how we set it up, how we create the project, what happens? Um, well, that's a very detailed question. And uh, we're not going to have enough time to answer it, I don't think. So um, I suppose from the very beginning, it was it was really focusing on the difference that we wanted to see. And we have this we have this name called the family club, whether we're a family club, we're a community club. And you can sometimes question that and go, are we really? And if we're going to say we are that and put it out there, then we need to stand by it and we need to make sure that whoever comes to Bamwell Lane, that whoever engages with Sheffield United, whether it's on a match day or whether it's uh, with the Community Foundation, um, at any of our events, any of our sessions, that they feel properly included. And kind of all, all the way through having the conversations with, like I said, James um, and they've got a really strong equality working group at the club and at the CCO now. So, you know, we've got two subgroups, one that heads up at the, at the community foundation. So Vicky Wilson, our safeguard and compliance manager, you know, she's really key at kind of driving our equality and diversity at the foundation. But they feed right into the club's equality working group, of which you've got representatives from, from the foundation, like James said, from different department heads across the whole of the club. And everyone is invested in making this a success, but also making sure that we are a fully inclusive club. And it's just making sure that we stick to those principles. You know, if we want to make a difference, we have to speak up. And we also have to, I suppose, acknowledge that sometimes we haven't got everything right. And it's okay. And we can acknowledge that. But then how do we change it to make it better? And I think from a from a project point of view, you know, when we talk about inclusive sessions and inclusive sports sessions, are we truly inclusive? You know, is there a young person that would like to play football, would like to go swimming, for instance, because we've just recently done some swimming sessions? Can we help those young people access that session? Now, if they don't quite feel comfortable about coming to 
a session that's already established? What can we do to ensure that they are getting physical activity support, that they are getting mental wellbeing support? And sometimes that that means providing those bespoke opportunities, which is what we've got through the, the Empower LGBT Plus projects at the moment. But ultimately, the long term goal is whenever you come to engage with us as a club, as a community organisation, that you feel that you are a part of this community because Sheffield is one big community and Sheffield United is one big community. And that's what we're striving to achieve. Um, there's a long way to go. There are things that we can do, but that's ultimately the vision. And we will get there. Sure. Yeah, I have no doubt you will with the, the passion we've heard in the, the first 15 minutes. Speaking of which, it's been 15 minutes, Amy, and you've sat there very patiently <laughs> waiting for your turn to speak. So let's start talking about some of the things that's actually that have happened so far in the project. So how long have you been in, in sort of in the role uh, leading on the project? Uh, so I got uh, employed in post in February of this year, so 2021. So I've been in, um, my math is terrible, so like nine months now, um, coming up coming up 10. So uh, yeah, it's been great so far. Uh, we've had lots of successes, um, a few kind of teething issues, but again, like things, obviously you just control your controllables, don't you? And kind of do the best you can with what you've got. So uh, as Katie briefly touched upon, we did some successful swimming um, sessions in the summer. So we did four weeks of uh, exclusive, but also inclusive LGBT plus swimming sessions so we had like full access to the pool just for our group uh, we had gender neutral facilities so we worked with the venue to make the changing facilities gender neutral and we made sure that there was enough cubicles for people and we had 16 people attend maximum attendance and 11 of those were retained which I think is amazing for the first kind of sport session we hit all of our KPIs so key performance indicators apart from the events which was postponed because of COVID so I think Looking at the first year, which essentially wasn't a full year because we go uh, September to August in terms of um, 12 month periods and year one, year two, year three. Essentially, we achieved all of that between February and August. So we hit what we wanted to in half of the time. So this year can only build upon that and go from strength to strength really so we also do things such as like assemblies workshops training events so we pride ourselves on being like katie said a fully inclusive foundation so 48 out of 60 members of staff are lgbt plus inclusive trained which is a great kind of shouting point a focal point for us as an organization to kind of set the right tone to be as fully inclusive and diverse as possible similarly we did um some cultural competency training in black history month so we we aren't just focusing on one key area we are focusing on being as inclusive as diverse as kind of yeah positive and forward thinking as we possibly can be so we also there's lots to kind of talk about uh so yeah, there is yeah. i would say you're really, even though you've only been in post since february it sounds like you could carry on for, <laughs> for quite a while about the stuff you've done so far you mentioned the KPIs that you had and that you hit them mm-hmm. without you sort of needing to pull out your your project plan or whatever and refer back to them. What were some of the things that when you first came in, you know, when you looked at right, what do I want to have achieved by the September or you know when like you saw the end the end of August? What were some of the things you wanted to achieve? So there was uh, the KPIs set prior to me coming in post, which was uh, three hundred and uh, three hundred and ten people engaged with. So. 250 of those allies, 60 of those LGBT, LGBT plus individuals who are 11 to 25. So we hit that by, we we got 331 people totally engaged. So that was great. And personally, my personal goals are, I'm quite passionate about um, the LGBT plus community feeling included 
in everything, not just sport and physical activity. So I come from a football background myself, uh, obviously LGBT plus myself as well. So I've kind of not, I don't know, not been there, done that, got the T-shirt. But I think for me, I know how important football is in my life and I know how important physical activity has been in the past for me. Uh, luckily, I, I, I don't know, I've not really faced many barriers in terms of participation. So I feel very um, like fortunate to not have that. So um, for me, it's about breaking those barriers for people because I know the personal benefits of sport physical activity, both mentally and physically. And I want to give those opportunities to other people, not just LGBT plus people, but the wider community as a whole, because personally, I know the benefits. So for me, that's that's one of my big passions. And then also just making sure people have access to kind of what they want to do, what they want to achieve. And for me, it is all about being happy. And if someone has that taken away from them, then they're not going to be happy. So uh, I think it's good for us to be able to provide those opportunities where someone can come be themselves, enjoy what they're doing and feel safe while they're doing it as well. So for me, that's really important. And uh, yeah, obviously I have personal goals as well as the professional ones that I need to achieve. So, so yeah, I just want, and I just want to show my passion for the kind of the role and for the community as well. And I feel like through the work that we're doing and I'm doing individually, we're, we're achieving that. So as much as I possibly can. So I went to like youth groups with Say It, the local uh, charity partner, just to kind of show that we're not just a football badge, that we are people as well. And we're not just football, football, football. Um, obviously, Katie can probably talk about this in more detail, but we aren't football orientated as much as people think we are. So we do obviously have our football basis, but yeah, we, we do want to kind of break that barrier as well as the other barriers between um, other communities. So. News, events and jobs for those making sport happen in South Yorkshire and West Yorkshire. Get the latest local, regional and national updates direct to your inbox. Sign up to the YSF Weekly at yorkshiresport.org slash subscribe. James, correct me if I'm wrong, if people join Rainbow Blaze, they may join because they're thinking of about, perhaps purely about going to go and watch Sheffield United with like-minded people and in a, in a safe environment. How do you use that and that membership base you've got to then sort of get them towards the, the activities that Amy's doing? At the moment, it is more signposting because the, the Empower LGBT Plus project is mainly for... And I've, Sorry if I get this wrong, Amy. You can correct me. 11 to 25-year-olds? Yes. Yeah, that's oh, right. good. I panicked, Ben, that I'm going to get that wrong. So, obviously... We could have edited it, James. It's fine. <laughs> and when you... When I, I do the fun... Well, I find it fun. People find it boring when we drill down the data and see, you know, who are our proud allies, who are LGBTQ+, plus, you know, what country are they from, and, and all that stuff. When it comes to our membership base, uh, predominantly... They are all over 25. <laughs> There's not many. There's none that are under 18. 18 is the youngest. Um, so that pool of 300 then starts to get a lot, lot smaller when it comes to the activities and the sessions that the Empower LGBT Plus Project are putting on. However, we have the 300 members who are part of LGBT Plus families. 
around the city. So it is at the moment, it's very much, there's two things. It's signposting and just getting the information out there. So then our members thinking it's like a chain effect, they can then continue to get that information out there to their friends, to their family that may fall into that bracket. Um, And it's also kind of a, a consultation approach, like I mentioned earlier. So if there's any consultation work that Amy and Katie want to do, any surveys, anything like that to continue to shape the Empower LGBT Plus project. Obviously, all 300 members more than welcome to to, to, to feedback uh, in, in a survey form or in-person forum uh, form. Uh, too many Fs there. <laughs> forum form. <laughs> <laughs> when people have joined, have they reference the empower project you know we've seen this and that's how we found out about rainbow blades have they sort of put themselves forward you know there are opportunities to consult i want to be involved all like you said they're not the majority of the group aren't yeah. 11 to 25 but is it how is the the current membership albeit not in the age bracket that you're looking for for the empower project wanted to be involved most of our members will come to us and sign up as a member because of the promotional work that the community foundation and the club do because at the end of the day they have a larger reach than a fan group does they have a much larger reach so that's where it kind of comes in from but our members do talk about the empower lgbt plus project we have a monthly newsletter that goes out and we ensure when there is you know something to, to shout about with the empower lgbt plus project it goes into that newsletter we share all the content online so our members do talk about it and we do a annual member survey just to gauge how our members are and kind of what more they want to see from Rainbow Blades. And when we do our annual member survey in February, March next year, um, a bit like what we did last year, we have a section where we'll go out to the community foundation and say, look, this is your section. What questions do you want to ask? And we do that with the club as well. You know, this is your section. You've got five questions. What five questions do you want to ask our membership base. Uh, so yeah, so it, it kind of different different streams are, are where our members come from, but definitely the majority of our members come from the the work that the foundation and the club do. And Katie, we're talking about you know reflecting on have you this massive change when we started the conversation by saying this was only an idea probably two years ago, and and there's hardly any of this sort of initiative out in any football club across the country. Um, so I suppose in the short space of time you have achieved a lot, but is that the the ultimate goal even beyond the project that it's going to be just far easier for people to engage with the foundation, engage with the club more broadly? Yeah, I think ultimately, I mean, this, this is going to sound really funny, but as a foundation, if there was no inequalities to address, we wouldn't exist. As in, we'd be providing opportunities, but our, our community would be as inclusive as possible and there'd be no there'd be no barriers to people. But uh, I think that's a long way off and that's the reason why we do exist is because we're, we're people helping people and we want to overcome some of those barriers that people do face, particularly to physical activity and sport um, and, and things that we do around education as well. You know, we've, we run a, we've got a huge education programme that we deliver as part of the foundation for, for young people, teenagers, uh, was it 16 and, and 21. And we've got, you know, we've got, BTEC qualifications, foundation degree, you can do a top-up degree with us. You know, the, the possibilities are endless, but ultimately, you know, we want to we wanna create an inclusive Sheffield and we want to create an inclusive Sheffield United. And uh, it's interesting, kind of James saying around, you know, um, the, the age group of the, of the fan group at the moment is, is predominantly 18 plus. But, you know, at the moment, we're really trying to work hard with those younger people 
um, to actually see Bramwell Lane as a safe place. Um, and I think, what was it, September, we actually took 14 young people um, to Bramwell Lane. And for all of them, it was their first game. And we had a bit of a, a pizza social afterwards. And we, you know, we asked them how it was. And we did a lot of prep beforehand, working with the club to make sure the stewards were aware, um, to make sure that we had accessible toilets, um, and just to make sure that Bramall Lane was the safe place that we believe it is, that we want it to be. And those 14 young people had an amazing time. It was, if you could see see and speak to them after the game, you know, some of them were like just in awe of the opportunity that they had. And one of them's like, I'm coming back. And that's what we want. You know, we don't want to have to exist to be able to create those bespoke opportunities. We want Bramall Lane just to be that safe place where people can go, I'm going to go with my friends. I'm going to go with my family. And I suppose there's a lot of work to do around changing those perceptions for for younger people, particularly because in the past, their parents or their grandparents, they've not been their authentic self because there's always been something in their way stopping them. Whereas now we're really trying to break down those barriers so that young people go, actually, I can grow up being exactly who I want to be, be who I am and be that or be their authentic self. And, you know, Amy can touch on some of the workshops that's been delivering and you're speaking to some of the secondary schools around um, LGBT plus young people wanting to set up their own groups in school, um, you know, to be able to have those regular conversations. But I think a massive point that we haven't talked about yet is allies. You know, I'm not um, from the LGBT plus community, but I am a huge and passionate ally. And I really want to support, I want, I want to support the community to, to show them that actually, there are people out there that are inclusive, that football is football. Let's come play. Let's play together. Let's let's create a Sheffield that everybody wants to belong to. And I think allies is really important because there'll be there'll be children, there'll be young people, you know, sat in their classrooms and a couple of their friends, you know, may be from the LGBT plus community. And if we can create their environment to go, you know, just be yourself, be happy. You know, we're not going to treat you any differently. We're not going to think any differently. You just mean mate. Then we can start helping people believe that actually, yeah, it is safe for me to be who I want to be. And if their joint passion is Sheffield United, great, come down to Bramwell Lane, let's watch Sheffield United. Um, albeit, I wish we were doing a little bit better this season because I was hoping we we're going to get back to the Premier League straight away. But there's time; it's the challenge. You know, ultimately, this is true. This is true. I mean. <laughs> Be thankful we're not in League One because it took us a long time to get out of League One. So, you know, it's uh, it has been a positive few years. But but ultimately, you know, we want we want Sheffield to be inclusive. But one of the biggest things we did put in the application was we want to share the learning. Um, we want to share that what we're doing, the things that we've learned, the good, the bad, the ugly. Um, and we want to share that with other organisations, not just the football communities, you know, other sports, other activities across um, the whole of the UK. And, and why not in Europe and across the rest of the world? You know, we know there are countries where it's, it's still illegal to be gay. You know, we we know that. And long time, let's say well, in the future, we want to try and change that. You know, we want to create an inclusive world. But first of all, we've got to focus on home. We've got to focus on England. We've got to focus on the UK. And then why not? You know, we've, we're part of the European Football Development Network. And they interviewed us as part of um, of their research around our Empower LGBT Plus project. And they were blown away with the work that we were doing. And you think, we'd only just started. So just come back and talk to us in, you know, two, three, four years' time and see where we've gone because we're here to make a difference and we're really here to make a change. And I tell you, Bromwell Lane, it'll be bouncing. 
Katie touched on workshops and going into secondary schools. How have they been received by the young people? Because, you know, I recall back to when I was at school, which was 14, you know, 20 years ago. Wow. Um, and you can they would never have had anything like that going in into someone coming to schools to talk about that. How has it gone in schools with the workshops and the assemblies? It's been so well received. Uh, I, like you, It's unbelievable kind of the uh, impact you get back from the young people. Like the teachers are actually contacting us for us to go in. So it's not us pestering schools saying, oh, we're, we're offering this. Uh, we think you should do it. It's schools getting in touch with us, hearing about the work we're doing. Primarily through Say It. So Say It obviously provide uh, paid training opportunities they provide workshops awareness uh, training events so they're kind of using their links we're using our own links and we're putting ourselves in there we already have projects such as the primary stars where we have our cohort of schools already and it the teachers they're kind of really inspiring the young people as well as the pupils and and the kids so it's kind of coming both from the top and then the pupils are engaging more than you could ask them for if that makes sense so like it's such a pleasant experience and I actually love going into schools to be honest I think it's great to speak to the young people and as as much as people say presentations and powerpoints are boring I genuinely love them I I would go in and do them all day if if you'd have seen her preparing for the first ever one she did well that tells a different story but you know I I remember us practicing Perhaps in the first one and you were really like really nervous about going in and like you say Andy it's uh, the experiences that we had as secondary school pupils were a little bit different to what pupils have nowadays but um, yeah to go from being really nervous actually the messages and the the information that we want to share and the kind of the project you know the aims that we want to achieve really come across um, and like I said the schools are now coming to us you know and whilst our project is 11 to 25, by the way, we do deliver um, inclusive sessions in primary schools. So as part of our Premier League Prime Stars programme, Amy's been in and delivered some sessions to that younger cohort because it's, it's not about, you know, teaching about LGBT plus. It's just about how to be inclusive, how, um, you know, to create that that space for, for pupils to, to feel safe and to have conversations with adults. Uh, you know, if they need, some, need to share something or they want to, um, disclose something that they have that safe space to do it but it's also about just being equal you know um we had james go on to our football camps and deliver a, um a, an inclusive session uh was that during the summer or during october i think it was and you know it was so well received by the younger participants that you think actually we should be doing so much more of this and it uh, it paves the way for actually do we need to look at how we um deliver more um workshops particularly to that younger age group because um, if we can build the foundations and, and develop that that knowledge and that inclusive understanding from a young age, that we won't have to do it for, for older people and, and adults, you know, in, in 20, 30, 40 years time, because they'll already understand and already have created that inclusive society that we're aiming for. Amy, you mentioned swimming as a session, um, one of the sessions that you've put on um, in your, your first sort of nine months in post you mentioned that you're not just football you know the people who know foundations will know it's not just necessarily that that sport but why swimming for as an example why the, the sports and the sessions that you've chosen why have you chosen them? i'm sure it's based on sort of insight and data but let's take swimming as the example so 
LGBT plus people don't necessarily feel like facilities, venues and actual sports are inclusive for them. So, for example, if you're transgender, going into a pool, that would be so daunting, so scary. And I think swimming as a whole is daunting and scary anyway, no matter who you are, because there's the whole process of getting changed, getting into your swimwear and then actually getting in the pool. It's like that walk sometimes in the changing room to the pool could be quite long for someone, even if it's maybe a 10 yard walk. So I think it's just kind of showing that there are ways to make things accessible, ways to make things inclusive. So obviously we had exclusive access to the pool. We made the uh, facilities gender neutral for the changing um, access just for that session. And then those people who potentially were transgender, so they potentially wear binders. So a binder is what flattens your chest if you are transitioning from female to male. And what we did, we set like a uniform policy as such for those who were participating in swimming. So we made sure that everyone was kind of on the same page, like level playing field as such. So everyone had to wear shorts and t-shirt in the pool, no matter your gender. Uh, so, so yeah, that's how we made that fully inclusive. And then it was fully safe. And then we had we made it fully accessible for wheelchair users so we had someone who was a wheelchair yeah a wheelchair user that was coming so we ensured that the lifeguards were briefed we ensured that the facility was briefed and we ensured that we did this at a time that was most safe and accessible so unfortunately Pondsforge had to close their leisure pool so this would have been implemented kind of permanently a lot sooner so uh, we've had to change venues and then um when the leisure pool reopens again, we'll, we will go back there and make this a fully implemented session across our LGBT plus programme. So so that's why swimming was really successful. I feel because we kind of said, this is what we're doing. These are the expectations and kind of come along and enjoy yourself, basically. And then we didn't kind of we didn't say, oh, you have to do lane swimming. We said, here's the pool go enjoy it to your will like go go do what you like with it so so yeah that's what we did and then there were there were people who were lane swimming some some brought some flippers like they were swimming up and down the pool in their flippers it was great and then we got a few water polo balls and some floats and just kind of just had a good time so it, it was great and then I got in the pool as well and just enjoyed myself with the young people like as we bring this sort of to a to a conclusion, then what do you reflect on as your highlight from your first nine months? That is such a difficult question because every day I wake up and love what I do. So for me, that is such a difficult question. But I think not. I'm not going to pinpoint one specific event or activity. What I'm going to say is just seeing the young people smile and then the re- the retainment of the young people. So just you talk about it in primary school like when you get I don't know like a TA or something and the teachers are saying oh the kids are asking for you that that's what I've been told that the young people are saying that oh where's Amy gone I'm still here but uh, (laughs) just obviously not seeing me in a little while but yeah I think seeing them smile and seeing them actually participate and and actually see sport isn't as daunting as people think it is and you don't have to be the best. You don't have to be elite. You don't have to strive to be competing at the highest level. You can just come, enjoy sport for an hour on an evening and, and go home and enjoy the rest of your evening. It, it that, that that for me is the biggest kind of thing. And I get very emotional. Like I Things make me cry all the time about the project. Like there's a video that's gone out and every time I watch it, I cry. Um, I started welling up when... Uh, Katie was talking and that yeah about the about the game just thinking about the game like reflecting back to when 
we had the young people in the family hub having the pizza and just like talking to them and the sense of the buzz that was coming out of the room it was it was unbelievable like it was unreal and just thinking back it just makes me like yeah I'm like bit of a, a softy but uh <laughs> yeah it just makes no, it. your passion for the, for, the, <laughs> for, the, for, the, for the job and or what is beyond the job what you're trying to do is very clear from from all of you james then reflecting on the the first sort of 12 18 months whatever it is of the the rainbow blades and this project amy spoke there about you know seeing young people coming and just being able to enjoy football and feeling safe and whatever it might be i, I don't know any of your sort of personal experiences before you might not have um, been in the same boat as that but as somebody who heads up the Rainbow Blades is from the LGBT plus community and is a Sheffield United supporter how proud are you of what has been achieved so far you know this is fully inclusive Sheffield as much as we'd love to all just flick a switch and we were lived in that world it's it's going to take time and it might be that you know five ten years time the true impact of this project is 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 felt and seen but yeah just as somebody who heads up Rainbow Blades is a supporter and is part of the LGBT plus community. How proud are you of what's what's happening at the moment at your club? So, so proud. Like, I get asked this question quite a lot, actually. Um, and it's just, you know, every Sheffield United fan wants to have a strong connection with their club and their club's foundation and have that <clears throat> kind of loving relationship with their club, really. And that's what Rainbow Blades is doing. I would say, like, one of the proudest achievements, really, for me, for Rainbow Blades is how many of our members now feel empowered uh, and feel they can be their authentic selves at Bramall Lane. <clears throat> I've got so many testimonials that I could sit and read, but we'll be here for another two hours, uh, of members from the LGBT plus community that had actually fallen out of love with Sheffield United or, or may not have had as strong a connection with the club, whereas now they do. And they can go and they can be a proud bisexual or they can be a proud pansexual um, or trans at Bramall Lane, you know, Saturday, three o'clock, sat there or stood there cheering on the team exactly who they have always meant to be. And that's, for me, the biggest achievement for, for Rainbow Blades, the, the difference in the empowerment that we've had for our members. And Katie, I guess the the end outcome we look at what you're funded for we looked at purely at the funding that for this project is to get people active but the the whole sort of feel i've got through this whole whole uh, recording is you've got to put the things in place and make people feel safe and inclusive and welcomed and they will be active if they feel like they can go to places and and feel that way as opposed to just advertising a a session that says this is lgbt plus friendly come along and swim or play table tennis or whatever it might be and is that fair to sort of summarise your approach as that to this project and just more broadly? Yeah, it's everybody's responsibility. Not just not just the foundations, not just the four of us that is. It's everybody's responsibility to help create that inclusive society. And whether that's other leisure providers, whether that's supermarkets, whether that's you know community centres, it's everybody's responsibility. And I think we're on a journey... Of, of kind of changing that for things that we we can influence. So Sheffield United, Bramall Lane, um, you know, sport and physical activity, which is you know it's it's part of our it's part of our makeup to provide opportunities for people to be physically active. And it's gonna it is gonna be a long journey. Um, but like I said earlier, it, it starts at home. Um, 
and our home is, is Sheffield United and, and we'll do everything we can, funding permitted. I mean, it's it's we're at a stage now where we are we're looking at the continuation. You know, how do we keep funding some of these fantastic um sessions that we're already doing? Um to be able to keep on this journey. Um, but I think what, what makes us even stronger and more powerful is that we are united across those different um, sub-elements of so the foundation, Rainbow Blades and the club working together. And I think one of the proudest things that I now hear about is this is not just kind of a tick box. You know, there's been multiple meetings around the Rainbow Laces activation and what we're we doing in this month and this week, but also what we do for the next 12 months. You know, this is not just a one a one day thing, a one week activation. What are we doing for 365 days of the year to ensure that we're as inclusive as possible? And that's the biggest difference that we've seen so far. And I went to, um, and I'll, I'll put this in there because we, you know, got to do a bit of a nod, but we've just been shortlisted for the Social Impact Award, for the, uh, for the Sheffield Business Awards. Um, and we went to a networking event uh, earlier this week and somebody actually came up to me. They saw me come in the room and said, you work for Sheffield United, I need to speak to you. And she said, I've seen what you're doing. And your equality and diversity work is fabulous. Keep doing it. And like to know that it's been recognised by somebody who doesn't know me, who doesn't really know kind of the individuals at the foundation, but to know that Sheffield United is doing something positive, that's amazing. And we'll keep doing that and we'll keep striving to be the best that we can. Amy, so what's what's coming up in terms of the next short term, then medium and long term before uh, in the next year, perhaps? Uh, so short term, we've got the Rainbow Laces game, which is on uh, the 30th of December against QPR at home. So we've worked quite closely with James and the club. So we've been on all the Rainbow Laces meetings, along with uh, Vicky's also been been there as well. So we've kind of worked together to facilitate the campaign as a whole this year, which has been really, really important. And I know that last year's was really successful being in lockdown. So it, it could only kind of get better ha- having the opportunity to do this in person. So We've uh, we've we've provided flags for around the stadium with the Community Foundation Progress badge on, so that that'll be really really nice to see around around kind of the um, each flagpole. And then we've we've sponsored the warm up tops that James was speaking about that the players wore last year. So we've all got a representation on those warm up tops this year. We've got rainbow badges on the tops. We've um, I know that James is doing some some other things with the club, so um, I'll let James speak about that should should he wish. Uh, so yeah, we've all kind of facilitated it together, which has been really good, and it, it kind of highlights the importance of a, a key working relationship, and also highlights how strongly we are working together. And I know that the EGNI lead at the club, so Liz McGrell, Liz is really kind of passionate about equality for everyone as well, and Liz is. Yeah, Liz is Liz is amazing to be fair. So shout out to Liz, but um but yeah, so Liz has been key in helping us and also with kind of the match day as well, Liz has been really key with that as well. So we so that short term, Roma Laces, long term, I think, uh retain attendances for our key our, our regular sport timetable. So retaining a good percentage. So I think any retainment percentage this year would be an achievement. I'm not going to kind of put a number on that, but I think at you least... You sound that, like a football manager. Yeah. So. <laughs> not that they it talk com- about it comes with the role. It comes with the role. <laughs> so, so, yeah, that, that's kind of long term. And then, again, so we're going to need to start looking at funding. Katie, then, you've, again, summarising what I think you've said is kind of you, you're getting your own 
house in order or, you know, we, we can't all change the world, but we can all change our part of the world. What would your advice be to people who are perhaps in either a similar position to yourself and are thinking about how do we uh, engage with the LGBT plus community to get them more active? What would your advice be to them on what you've learned over the last couple of years from sort of idea of the project to sat here at the end of November 2021 talking on a podcast about it? Um, so the first thing would be to um, really look at what you do now. And if it's nothing, don't don't be too frightened about that because you can always start somewhere. Um, so if you go from nothing to something, then that's a, that's progress. Um, the biggest thing for us is look for those partnerships, look for those existing organisations, look to collaborate with people within your immediate city, if it's a city that you're, you're part of or your immediate town. Working together is a lot stronger and you become... I suppose a force to be reckoned with because you've got lots of different elements that you can do to collaborate together. Um, so we know we've got your sport foundation, which, you know, so grateful that you've been able to match fund the project to be able to, uh, to open up the funding that we've got for, for the empower LGBT plus project. Amazing. And, you know, Deborah Cummins has been, um, you know, instrumental in kind of getting in board, getting on board with the project. And, and we've, we've been on numerous walk and talks about the project and how, you know, the Yorkshire Foundation can help and the progress that we've made. But, you know, we've not talked nearly enough about Say It, to be fair. Um, you know, they're the LGBT plus charity in, in Sheffield for young people. And they've been here a long, you know, in this area a lot longer than we have. And they've they've really educated us. You know, they provide a lot of information around policies, guidance, compliance, how we can support young people. You know, and we're actually sending that information to the Premier League. You know, the Premier League have asked us to do, um, not, not specific training, but uh, Amy actually did a, a session, an EDI spotlight session last week. And we're talking to the Premier League and we're talking to other clubs about what we're doing. And, you know, everybody's learning. And everyone thinks about the Premier League as being this big organisation that you follow. But actually, they want to learn too. They want to be better and more inclusive. And I think that partnerships and that collaboration is how you will be strong in achieving what we want to achieve you know if we want to encourage more young people and i suppose not just young people but the whole of the lgbt plus community to find physical activity and sport which is for them then do it together because you can't do things alone so that's yeah that's my key message find the show notes for all episodes at yorkshiresport.org forward slash podcast